Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the New York Herald, November 26, the year 1911, there is an account of the hanging of three men. They died for the murder of Sir Edmund William Godfrey, husband, father, pharmacist, and all-around gentleman, resident of Greenberry Hill, London. He was murdered by three vagrants, whose motive was simple, robbery. They were identified as Joseph Green, Stanley Berry, and Nigel Hill. Green, Berry, and Hill. And I would like to think this was only a matter of chance. As reported in the Reno Gazette, June of 1983, there is the story of a fire, the water that it took to contain the fire, and a scuba diver named Delmer Darian that they found in the top of a tree. Employee of the Peppermill Hotel and Casino, Reno, Nevada, and engaged as a blackjack dealer, Delmer was well-liked and well-regarded as a physical, recreational, and sporting sort. Delmer's true passion was for the lake. As reported by the coroner, Delmer died of a heart attack somewhere between the lake and the tree. But a most curious side note is the suicide the next day of Craig Hansen, volunteer firefighter, estranged father of four, and a poor tendency to drink. Mr. Hansen was the pilot of the plane that quite accidentally lifted Delmer Darian out of the water. Added to this, Mr. Hansen's tortured life met before with Delma Darian just two nights previous at the casino. The weight of the guilt and the measure of coincidence was so large, Craig Hansen took his life. And I'm trying to think this was all only a matter of chance. The tale told at a 1961 awards dinner for the American Association of Forensic Science by Dr. Donald Harper, president of the association, began with a simple suicide attempt story. 17-year-old Sidney Berenger in the city of Los Angeles, March 23, 1958. The coroner ruled that the unsuccessful suicide had suddenly become a successful homicide. To explain, the suicide was confirmed by a note left in the breast pocket of Sydney. At the same time, Sydney stood on the ledge of this nine-story building, and arguments swelled three stories below. The neighbors heard, as they usually did, the arguing of tenants, and it was not uncommon for them to threaten each other with a shotgun or one of the many handguns kept in the house. Added to this, the two tenants turned out to be Faye and Arthur Berenger, Sydney's mother and Sydney's father. When confronted with the charge, which took some figuring out for the officers on the scene of the crime, Faye Berenger swore that she did not know that the gun was loaded. A young boy who lived in the building, sometimes a visitor and friend to Sydney, said that he had seen, six days prior, the loading of the shotgun. It seemed that the arguing and fighting and all of the violence was far too much for Sydney, and knowing his mother and father's tendency to fight, decided to do something. Sidney Berenger jumps from the ninth floor rooftop. His parents argue three stores below. 
Her accidental shotgun blast hits Sidney in the stomach as he passes the arguing sixth floor window. He's killed instantly, but continues to fall, only to find three stories below a safety net installed three days prior for a set of window washers that would have broken his fall and saved his life if not for the hole in his stomach. So Faye Berenger was charged with the murder of her son at Sydney, noted as an accomplice in his own death. And it is in the humble opinion of this narrator that this is not just something that happened. This cannot be one of those things. This, please, cannot be that. And for that, I would like to say this was not just a matter of chance. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42 Minutes, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Tuesday, December 19th, 2017, and this morning we're going to get into Sync with some coincidence, and we'll do so with an individual responsible for its transformation into a science. Dr. Bernard Beitman is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to systematize the study of coincidences. He developed the first valid scale to measure coincidence sensitivity and has written several coincidence articles for psychiatric annals. The author or editor of 16 professional books, he is a visiting professor at the University of Virginia, attending Yale Medical School and completed a psychiatric residency at Stanford. Most recently, he published Connecting with Coincidence in 2016. We've all experienced or heard surprising events and unexplainable coincidence. Money that seems to come from nowhere, a spontaneous idea that turns into a life-changing solution, meeting our soulmate on a flight we weren't supposed to be taking, or families being reunited by accident after years of separation. Often these coincidences are explained as being controlled by a higher power or pure chance. But for the first time since Carl Jung's work comes bold new research that explains scientifically how we can identify, understand, and perhaps even control the frequency of coincidences in our everyday lives. This book details this and more and reveals how to activate your observing self so you don't miss synchronistic moments how serendipity can offer insights into solving problems or making difficult decisions, why stress activates meaningful coincidences, which states of mind impede our ability to experience synchronicity, how to interpret the meaning of coincidence, why being attuned to coincidence is a learned skill, and how to hone your sensitivity. More information about this book and the work of Dr. Beitman can be found at his website, Coincider. Dot com. It really is an honor to be sharing 42 minutes with Dr. Beitman today. How are you doing, Bernard? Quite an introduction. Quite an introduction. Thank you very much. Um, it's the second time in t- two days that someone has said that uh, I have something to do with uh, advancing this field. Uh, and it's a, it's a great honor to be described in that way. Well, so it is interesting because it seems like Something that's so ubiquitous in everyone's lives really doesn't get that much attention beyond the idea that, you know, the kind of notion that, boy, isn't that something? You know, the idea of putting it into a systematic study just isn't something that anyone's done that I can really, well, maybe there's a, a few, but not in any meaningful way since Jung. Yes, I, I've tried to encompass the whole field. There are people who take who take parts of it 
and my job has been to to define the uh, geography of uh, coincidences with its many uh, continents and subcategories, uh, and then try to um, see if there are ways to fit them together. Uh, Gary Schwartz uh, would be very interested, for example, in uh, in the Greenberry Hill uh, one and the Delmar and the Pilot. because he he likes those that set of coincidences, which I call serial coincidences, uh, the ones that are observable by any third party, and you can just count one, count two, three, or ten. He, he has super synchronicities, which can get up to a hundred different repetitions uh, of the same uh, symbol. I include those, but there are other coincidences too. The most common in daily life, as you are alluding to are the, those in which there is a match between what I am thinking and something that happens out there. Uh, and those are the ones that tend to elicit uh, emotional responses and somehow uh, sometimes at least act as guidance for people. Yeah, and I think from a literary standpoint, that's called the pathetic fallacy where one's interior landscape merges somehow with the exterior landscape. Yes. Well, uh, a pathetic as in emotional, I think you mean, uh, rather than sad. Yes. And so that that's interesting because you, I think, coin a term in your book. Um, yeah. Simulpathic or simul- simulpathic. Yes. 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 And that 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 is – that is very much the same idea. By simulpathy, I mean the experience of the pain of usually a loved one at a distance, at the same time feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance. And for me, um, it was uh, first introduced to me, to, to my experience, when I was choking at a sink in Victorian and San Francisco at 11 p.m. one day, and uh, at the same time, uh, 3,000 miles away, 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware, my father was choking on his own blood and dying. So my listeners, number one, would notice right off the bat that you were, you say you're standing at a sink? I was standing at a sink in a Victorian house uh, in the kitchen in San Francisco. Uh, uncontrollably choking. There was something in my throat and I couldn't get it out and I couldn't get it out. The next day, my brother called me and told me that our father had died and he had choked on his own blood. He bled into his throat. uh, Would you say that you were, you had a a proclivity to these things prior to this, or was this kind of your instigating moment? Uh, I've experienced um, coincidences of various intensities and strengths since uh, I was eight or nine. Uh, so th- this it was not a new thing to me to have uh, something that uh, uh, something weird happen to me. Hmm. The interesting thing about your book. And, and I'm curious about this, is the language. So you definitely use the word coincidence and not synchronicity. Yes. And I think from a scientific – well, so it's interesting because it makes sense, but at the same time, could you explain why you did this? Yes. Um, I needed to make a separation from Jung and develop my own way of thinking about things. 
And the word synchronicity had become, in the popular culture, to mean uh, many different things, um, and, and, and was as used for the name of a lot of organizations and businesses. There's a mystical meditative place right down the road from Char in Charlottesville called Synchronicity, and most people don't know that it came from Jung, who work who work and uh, are part of that group. So synchronicity has become uh, a word that has had lots of different meanings attra uh, attracted to it because it's a very fun word. Uh, it's really a nice word. So I wanted to establish something separate from uh, synchronicity and use the term coincidence as uh, a way of doing that. And coincidence is a more neutral term. I'm really talking about meaningful coincidence, which was Jung's uh, other name for synchronicity. Uh, and then trying to be able to be as descriptive about uh, the experiences people have um, using that word coincidences. But since... Um, since then, since writing the book, uh, I've been able to feel much more comfortable with Jung and his writings and uh, the way people think about Jung. So I'm using the word uh, synchronicity more often. And particularly, I'm, uh, I'm studying um, synchronicity as a spiritual path. The idea that paying attention to synchronicities can help people uh, become more spiritually uh, inclined and elevated. With coincidence, it's the fascinating thing to me is that you actually will potentially reach uh, normal folks. So the people predisposed to the idea of synchronicity will, will maybe take offense at your neutral term because it almost seems like you're, you're minimizing the magnitude of the actual coincidence itself. It hasn't happened that I know about, but I can see that it's possible. On the other hand, I, I talk to what you might call uh, regular people, a person, a clerk working behind a, uh, a desk at a, at a store, and uh, use the word synchronicity, and that person did not know what that meant, but certainly knew what meaningful coincidence meant because she had lots of them. So there's, there, there's a variability in what uh, is out there in regard to understanding the definitions we're talking about. So Jung and, and you are in fields that are sometimes considered soft sciences. Yes. Now, that's not your entire background, is it? And, you know, how do you employ the notion of statistics to this field? Um, every coincidence, uh, every synchronicity has a potential probability to be estimated. What I need are statisticians willing to try to get to some kind of formula for estimating the probability of a particular coincidence. And in order to do that, uh, you not only have to have some kind of uh, formula or algorithm, you also need to delve quite deeply into the details of the of the coincidence because something that looks like it may be uh, really uh, a low probability event by looking at more details you find out that there are more uh, there are other events that seem to make that uh, that coincidence more likely so probability is a very important part of understanding coincidences they are part of the definition of coincidences making an estimate of the probability unfortunately we have statisticians, particularly two guys in uh, in England, and many other statisticians, um, 
who think that coincidences can be fully explained by statistics. When you talked about a matter of chance in your introduction, that's what they think. And they think and they use a, a, a made-up um, law uh, to justify the idea that coincidences are all statistically explainable. And that law is the law of truly large or very large numbers. They don't define how large are the large numbers. And the tricky part of that that law is that there is a, a very well substantiated law in math called the law of large numbers, which means that the more often you do a, a particular chance event, like flipping a coin for heads or tails, the, the closer um, your, your flipping comes to the uh, theoretical mean of uh, the chance events. So if you do it 100 times, you get close to 0.5 or a half or 50%. If you do it 1,000 times, you even get closer to 50% heads and 50% tails. That has nothing to do with the law of very large numbers, which is kind of a cover-over for their ignorance about other vi potential variables that may be influencing uh, the creation of coincidences. Yeah, and you, you go on to talk about types of feelings or like proprioceptors that we don't understand yet so that we have an awareness of fields or grids to the people in our lives that we scientifically haven't explained yet. That's what I think. That is what I think. I'm trying to develop ideas about the psychosphere, uh, as I described in the last chapter of uh, connecting with coincidence. And the psychosphere is our mental atmosphere. And I'm starting to be able to define where it is. It's just the atmosphere around Earth. A lot of people talk about the universe and coincidences. The universe did this or the universe did that. Um, I don't think they mean the billions and trillions and an infinite infinity that's our physical universe but it means something like god but they don't say that but i take it literally i don't mean the universe i mean the earth's atmosphere i mean we are we are immersed within this planet uh in the psychosphere this this mental atmosphere and i located it between the earth's crust and the ionosphere which is forty thousand feet up most of the time and I like that concept because it kind of plays really nice with something that we discovered on this program, which is the idea of like a psychic weather where you yeah. can – and we yeah. see this so much with uh, the internet now where – and the idea that we kind of came to was that sometimes there's these emotional weather systems that just kind of blow through consciousness and what we realize is that oftentimes, you know, it's almost like something's pushing everyone's buttons at the same time. And people's responses are their own, but oftentimes people are similar enough that they respond similarly. And this kind of creates like zeitgeist moments. Very good. Very good. Very good. I, I ran into a guy on the beach a couple of weeks ago uh, flying a kite. And uh, to me, his kite was uh, floating around in the in the ebbs and currents of the psychosphere of this psychic atmosphere that you're just describing and that maybe the winds 
that his kite was flying around in are somehow uh, external manifestations that we can see of some of the currents of the psychosphere. As you dig into some of these wild coincidences in your book, you take on different points of view on how to explain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so some people want... They want an easy pat answer for everything. And so one way is to say, this is God, and God has a right. plan, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen. Um, but that's not your only answer. Could you explain some of the other points of view that you find? Well, let, let's let's talk about Squire Rushnell uh, and what you just said about uh, God being the explanation. Squire Rushnell um, is... Uh, a collector of some amazing coincidences, um, and he calls them Godwinks, and it's kind of a competitor for the term synchronicity, mostly within uh, the Christian community that he has the, the most contact with. And these Godwinks, uh, he takes uh, and and tries to suggest that this is the way that God is in your life. And look around and see the beauty that God is creating. Now, he's got a limited view, but he's, he's, he's also doing something like what I'm doing with synchronicity as a spiritual path. It's limited to a, a particular perspective, a particularly religious perspective, but it's getting out there to have the people that pay attention to him uh, to start looking around them to see uh, the wonder and amazement of the symbol in our world. I don't interpret them all in the way uh, Squire Rushnell would have me interpret them, but it's the process is moving, I think, in an important direction. The other side of the the, the explanatory continuum uh, is uh, statistics, as I've mentioned before, and some people, as you implied in your introduction, some people just want it to be chance no matter what. This is a chance event period. The universe is random, whatever that means. And I think it's hard to prove that the universe is random. Those two definitions are a little difficult. Uh, that, but in between, random or statistical and God, there's us human beings. And my intent is to say that we have something to do and a lot to do sometimes with the creation of coincidences, starting simply with the idea of paying attention to them. If you don't look for them, you're not going to see them. Well, one of the things you you note, which I like, is that you talk about this idea of fast and slow thinking, which has been kind of a, a popular scientific topic in the recent past. But yeah. how oftentimes our, the fast thinking part of our brain can take information in faster than we can we can actually cognize that. And we're... So we have information that we don't realize that we happen, and oftentimes that can explain a coincidence. Um. Like a song or a book or some kind of thing, you take in the information and you can't believe you were thinking about the same thing when it's right in front of you. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, have my, I have two favorite explanations, and part of what I encourage people to do is notice – their own thought processes and see which ways of thinking about coincidences, which ways of experiencing coincidences they have. And I mentioned Gary Schwartz, um, and he loves seeing these serial coincidences. In fact, that's just about all he sees. He doesn't, 
he doesn't find personal meaning in them usually. He finds them as interesting scientific phenomenon and phenomena, and that's the way Gary Schwartz thinks. He's going to be on my program on Thursday, so I'm, that's why I'm thinking about him more, I think. Proximity effect, as that's called. That's a bias of human thinking, as that the proximity effect in time or in space. My favorite ways of thinking about coincidences, uh, explaining coincidences, are uh, telepathy and um, what I call human GPS. And by human GPS, I mean what you were implying, that we have the capacity to process information in ways that we are not aware of, that we call intuition, and that we can tune into that information without really knowing we're doing it, and sometimes feel like we're led to a place that we needed to be without knowing how we got there. One of my favorite stories from someone I know pretty well is that when she was a teenager, 16, 17, 18, she uh, took her father's uh, pistol and went into the woods someplace near a lake and sat in the car um, contemplating putting that gun to her head and killing herself. As she was thinking about it, her brother drove up in another car and uh, looked at her and her brother had never been to this place. She had never been to this place before. And she said, what are you doing here? And he said, I don't know. Something made me come here. And she didn't kill herself, obviously, because she could tell me the story. And just parenthetically, um, the story about my father and the choking and this story, um, uh, a friend of mine have made into songs so that right now we have seven coincidence songs that we're trying to be able to see what to do with. Hmm. Um, so somehow they're playing on a radio station that, um, that I have my radio show on. And, and we're just beginning to try to see what kind of interest there, there might be in them. And this is just another way of sensitizing people to the coincidences in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the word telepathy, actually, it does contain that pathos, too. It's, it's this idea of emotion at a distance. Precisely. And, and that, is the, uh, that is what simulpathity means, uh, emotion at a distance. And telepathy is really a better word because it has the teller rather than simul in it because it's the at a distance that's so important. But I had to switch away from telepathy because it's so cognitive now. It's so thought-oriented that, and it's so good to be using because telepathy is something quite real uh, for me. Um, and I have this experience fairly regularly, actually, much more than I than I know. I'm, I was just reading some of my notes from a while back, and I've had a lot of uh, telepathic-like experiences. I just had one yesterday, uh, and I thought it was just with me and this person, but we are connected, but I've been connected to the minds of others, my father, but many others, uh, telepathically, because um, at, at a distance – we're thinking the same thing. Uh, and there are other explanations, but this is the simplest and easy one, easiest one to go by. It seems like there's, there's a couple words that are used often to dismiss these kind of ideas. And I know one is apophenia, I think, and the other one I can't, I can't recollect right now. Do you know these words that I'm talking about? Well, I certainly know apophenia. Um, that's seeing patterns that don't exist. Um, it's it's taking 
the type one and type two errors uh, in science. One is is you see patterns that aren't there, and the other is that you don't see patterns that are there. And apophenia is the seeing ones that aren't there. Uh, it, it's before you talk about even apophenia, um, you have to start with the uh, the mind of the person who's using that term. And by that I mean I've had not lots of experience now in talking with people about uh, synchronicities, and I I have to figure out by their responses just how biased are they in what direction. Some people are, see them all the time and may be seeing ones that aren't there, and there's some people who just won't believe them, uh, even if they if one hits them in the face. And there are people who are uh, someplace in between, and I have to make an estimate um, as I'm talking with that person of just where is that person's bias regarding coincidences. Yeah, and you do a nice job. Is that is it called confirmation bias, where you're yes, yes, seeking yes. out the things to prove what it is that you want to believe? You do a nice job of debunking that a little bit because a person can say everything is confirming what I want to, you know, so you do a whole chapter about romance and that's Yes, the, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you want to, you do a, <laughs> people want to have the answer so they know how to act, but oftentimes it, they, I mean, trickster sync is something you also bring up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what you're asking there. I just like uh, I, I like talking about romance because I'm a kind of a romantic person. Um, but please t- tell me what what you're asking there. Well, uh, it's just how is an individual supposed to know what a meaningful coincidence is leading them to, uh-huh. if it is at all. Yeah, um, that becomes a question of what kinds of uses do coincidences have. So that I, I try to spell out um, the, the variable um, possibilities because they don't mean everything all the time. There's, there's a limited amount, a number of ways in which coincidences can be used. And the, the first one, um, the first most common one, uh, use of coincidences is just kind of a different use of the word confirmation, it, it, it confirms the path that you're on. A lot of people um, use numbers uh, like 1111 yeah. or their, their favorite number like a 23 as saying that I'm on the right path. Um, even um, even the, some, the coincidences you mentioned at the beginning like Greenberry Hill, um, you start – saying there, as you implied, there's something else here. So uh, another use of coincidences is calling attention to them, making you become more aware of them so that some big coincidences uh, that hit people start them on the path of paying attention to them. So paying attention and then confirmation are some of the more important uses of coincidence. They're like first and second grade in uh, if you're taking a uh, if you get you're going to a coincidence school. Those are the the easy ones. I like to pretend that I'm the 
I'm, a, I'm the head of, uh, of a department uh, at Earth University called Coincidence Studies, and we have these different classes in there. So this is like uh, uh, the first first diff the first couple of classes. After that, people use coincidences for decision making, and that's what I think you were talking about with with romance. Um, one of the problems with romance um, is that you can have a lot of coincidences. Uh, with someone, uh, a, a lot that you're thinking of each other at the same time. You run into each other. You're reading the same book. Um, there's a, one of the stories in in my book was two people trying to decide whether to get married or not. They lived separate from each other, a couple th a thousand miles away or so, and um, they were talking on the phone. And one of them said, uh, "I'm reading this book, uh, Khalil Gibran," and the other one said, "I'm reading the same book." And they were both on the same page uh, of that book at the same time. And then when they got married, uh, the person conducting the ceremony uh, read from that same book and read that same passage that they were reading when they, um, they were talking on the phone. And for them, that was a strong confirmation that they were making the right decision. Uh, the first coincidence helped them make the decision and the second with the with the person conducting the ceremony confirmed that they were make that making the right decision on the other hand uh, people have coincidences that involve uh, family names like my mother's name is the same as your sister's name and my father's name is the same as your brother's name and stuff like that and some birthday uh, birthday correlations too and some people take that as meaning that uh, this is uh, this is fate that's bringing us together we are meant to be together and that's a, that's a problem because you can't use coincidences as the basis for a marriage or even a long-term relationship. You have to see if you get along with each other. You have to see what kind of chemistry there is between you in order to be able to fully make that decision. On the other hand, <clears throat> there are these several stories and again another in the book where where the two people had lots of coincidences for uh, a couple of years. Um, but then the relationship broke up. So having lots of coincidences can mean <clears throat> stay away from this person, can mean start with this person, can mean you may be together with this person, but other variables intercede, interpersonal and contextual, to make the final, uh, to develop the final outcome. But it's, it's a mistake for people to th think in the early stages of romance that because we're having a lot of coincidences, it means we'll be together forever. So one of the things that's happening is that things in the world become symbolic pointers to this individual. Somehow it it's there's this merging of the interior and exterior, exterior and they're reading their landscape symbolically. You know, different things are arising to them. Do you think these symbols and symbol sets can be become um, s stable enough that uh, like a dictionary of symbols could be made? Or do you think this is an individual reading? I, I really like your phrase symbolic pointers. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a good phrase. Um, I, 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 I hesitate in trying to be able to say that you can get a dictionary. Jung talked about archetypes, uh, which are 
basic patterns uh, of behavior uh, that are are, are part of uh, our human experience. But archetypes can take many different mutable shapes. Um, But there is something... There is something to what you're asking. I'd rather look at it as poetry um, than find a a dictionary because poetry um, changes its meaning with context, uh, who's reading it, who's who's, and over time uh, as we think differently about um, uh, our own – the meanings of our lives and the symbols of our lives. And one one simple example of that is the use of coincidences in the English – in English literature – uh, the book Tom Jones by Henry Fielding uh, had a lot of coincidences, and they were all designated coincidences from God. That's the way in that time period uh, coincidences were interpreted. They were from God. Then uh, with, uh, with Dickens, um, Dickens got more scientific because science was coming in and more, there was more skepticism about God and the way God worked. So in Dickens' work, um, the, the coincidences had a more personal meaning uh, with the individual. One of the things that we find in, 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 the, in the world that the show kind of ad- adheres to is that sometimes people, they don't like the idea of a randomness because no, no. Th- there's it, all of a sudden meaning is drained out. And so what happens is when they see these strange it's, – it's almost like the architecture of the universe has a, a layer of coincidence to it. And so when you look at giant uh, political world-scale events like 9-11 or different sh- shootings or things, and then you begin to see coincidence enter, it becomes too much for some people and they think that it's orchestrated by – by you know a secret society or something like this um oh no i lost my train of thought oh that's very no you're on to you're on to something important <laughs> uh, uh, for example there were uh four different jet fighters in different uh, parts of the country uh went down uh within a week of each other and and that hadn't happened before or since, uh, and th- these these were in air shows, I think, of rather than just uh, in battle, and that that one um, could be uh, go over to the statistical explanation uh, side of things, but there are some other funny things that that the conspiracy theorist people may come up with their own their own way of thinking about it uh, that fits their own personal bias about how the world works, but they still might be onto something uh, like uh, the U.S. power grid went down in four different places at the same time uh, a year or so ago, and very, for, and very few people um, thought about that. It didn't get much press attention. Uh, was, it, was it a conspiracy? Did somebody actually do it? What, how did it happen? So coincidences have a fundamental effect of asking us to look more deeply into the nature of reality. Well, so I think Gary Schwartz mentions the the importance of love as like one of the fundamental forces, and your book cover does have, you know, all these these random folks connected in the shape of a heart, and then there's yes. there's that movie. 
inner space, I think, that it ends up that the primary force of the universe that connects all these disparate, disparate elements and people is love. Can you talk about that? A yeah, bit. and for your listeners, uh, an extended discussion of emotion and particularly love uh, is in a couple of my more recent Psychology Today blogs uh, posts as well as uh, on my radio show. Uh, a person uh, called um, Mossberg, um, forget her first name, um, has some scientific evidence for how love um, makes the world go round. Uh, um, it's, it's becoming more established that emotion drives the creation of coincidences. Several of the people from disparate parts of the research continuum, uh, Julia Mossberg, uh, can talk about how intense emotion helps to create, facilitate coincidences. And love is what made it happen between my father and me. Well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. You're welcome. You, 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 you did you asked some wonderful questions, uh, very thoughtful, and I appreciate um, your interview style very much. You bet. You've been listening to Dr. Bernard Beitman on 42 Minutes, production of SyncBook Radio on the SyncBook.com. Check out his work at Coincider.com. And that's interesting because in our world we call them sync heads or synchromystics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I like Coincider too. So for more information about the Sync Book, our guests, check out past shows or just subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others as currently all the Sync Book radio archives are free until year's end. We also, so you – I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so you did the, the two or three Sync Books? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's two. Um, yeah. Uh, my my colleague Alan is the one who edited them, but we you know kind of facilitated them. It grew out of a a group of bloggers that all kind of found each other with the advent of of internet blogging. And we we're all yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've seen I've seen one of them, if not two of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good contribution. Thank you. Thank you. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much, and this was not just a matter of chance. <laughs> I'm just a little person One person in a sea Of many little people Who are not aware of me I do my little job My little kid and wife And somewhere, maybe someday Maybe somewhere far away I'll find a second little person Who will look at me and say
Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.